0: Deb Spring is going to lead us in our scripture reading today.
1: Our reading today is from the book of Chronicles in the Old Testament. David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the officials of the tribes and the officers of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of the thousands, the commanders of the hundreds, and the stewards of all the property and cattle of the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the mighty warriors, and all the warriors. Then King David rose to his feet and said, hear me, my brothers and my people. I had planned to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made preparations for the building. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name, for you are a warrior and have shed blood. Yet the Lord God of Israel chose me from all the ancestral the to be king of Israel forever. For he chose Judah as leader. And in the house of Judah, my father's house, and among my father's sons, he took delight in making me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, the Lord has excuse me, for all my sons, the Lord has given me many. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit upon the throne of the kingdom and be Lord over, the Lord over Israel. He said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be a son to me, and I will be a father to him. I will establish his kingdom forever if he continues resolute in keeping my commandments and my ordinances as he is today. Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and search out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance to your children after you forever. And you, my son Solomon, Know the God of your Father and serve him with single mind and willing heart. For the Lord searches every mind and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will abandon you forever. Take heed now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Be strong and act. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks
0: be to God. Thank you, Deb. Deb's got a big role today in worship Uh, after the message today. She's going to um, share a little bit about her perspective of the building of this church and uh, everything that went into it and uh, the incredible journey that it's been. She's not going to encapsulate all of that, right, Deb? You're just going to give your perspective, your view of what that has been like for this congregation. Well, I wanted to start today by sharing with you this, this fact from the Bible that the people of God didn't always have a place where they could feel close to God, where they could sense God's presence. I'm guessing that when you all come here, hopefully when you come here, you kind of feel close to God. Maybe, more, maybe you feel closer to God when you come here than, say, you do at work or maybe at home or when you're driving in your car or whatever. Uh, this is a place where you can tune in to the reality of God's presence. But this has been a journey for God's people to have a specific place and especially so many places, like multiple places in every town where you can have that kind of experience. This has been a journey for the people of God, starting out in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve dwelled with God in this perfect paradise and then Abraham in the wilderness. That's uh, God came and spoke to Abraham in the wilderness as they traveled throughout the countryside. Moses as well in the wilderness, speaking first through the burning bush and then on the mountain as, as Moses would go up to be in God's presence and hear from God. And then in this amazing uh, development in scripture and the, a biblical narrative, what's called the tabernacle is this really uh, incredible, intricate. Uh, network of tents that were all encapsulated by kind of like a fence around the outside, and this had a specific tent where the the priests would minister in a certain way, where they could uh, be close to the presence of God, but not so close. And this tabernacle was uh, incredible because it was movable. So as the people of God traveled uh, from slavery in Egypt towards the promised land, they could move that place to wherever they found themselves, and they could be led by God and feel close to God wherever they went. That was a big deal. And throughout this journey, the Lord provided immense abundance for the people of God, for the Israelites, culminating with King David. David was referred to by God as a man after my own heart. That's what God said about David. David loved the Lord and had great success as a military leader and king. And God blesses David with this incredible vision of a temple, a place with permanence, a beautiful temple, a place where heaven would meet earth with generational permanence in Jerusalem. So this was a big deal because this was a place where now God's people could feel close to God and honor God and serve God and be faithful to God now and in theory forever. This would be something that they could hand off to their kids and grandkids. And so if this was the journey that your people had gone through of not having a place like that ever and then having one that was not permanent and not nearly as stable and secure as, as a, a temple, you know, the tabernacle was uh, not nearly as secure as the temple, this was a really big deal. So David gets this vision and is incredibly moved by it. And this vision had two parts one are the specifics of the building, which I would encourage you to uh, read this part on your own. If you look in the Bible at 1 Chronicles chapter 28, which is what Deb read to you, beginning at verse 9, no, I'm sorry, beginning at verse 11, you can read some of the specifics of the building. Now this was the best of the best. I look at our church and I say, we have some of the best of the best at this church. If you ever look at our doors, they are really nice, solid wood doors, okay? That, for our generation, that's the best of the best. And that's just one example. But in David's time, for the temple, we're talking gold everything. And if it wasn't gold, maybe not literally everything, silver, and maybe some stuff that was insignificant was like bronze. But this idea was supposed to be that the temple of God, the vision that David had received, was going to be the best temple out there. Because other faiths, people who believed in not the God of the universe, the one true God, but other gods, they had temples as well. They believed that a temple or a mountain was a place where heaven met earth and where you could feel close to that God. But this was going to be a statement that our God, the God of Abraham, was the one true God. And the specifics of the temple are a big deal because they illustrate that reality. Can you imagine if this was all gold? Like, that would be impressive, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and what the people of God would need to do to bring this vision to pass was just as important. Because this vision that David was providing, that, that he received and wanted so badly to be the one to carry out, but had to pass on to his son Solomon, uh, that was a generational vision. Did you catch that part at the end? This you will leave as an inheritance to your children after you. It's not just about these people who received this vision. It's not just about David. You could say it's not just about us here today and what we experience here at this church, which, yes, is important. But for the people of God, we're supposed to see things in generational perspective. How are our actions today leading to generational blessing for tomorrow? That's the idea. And so one part of the vision is the specifics of the temple and to see how incredible it will be. And the second part is how the people of God would need to act, how they would need to live to bring this generational vision to reality. So first, observe and search out the commandments. It's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? We don't have to get cute about what do we need to do to bring this vision to pass. Seek out and observe the commandments. It's not a passive sort of instruction. It's active. Actively seek out God's commandments. Live them out to the best of your ability. Okay, got it. Got it. And second, know God. Like not just know about God, but know God personally. Dwell in God's presence. Let God into your heart and mind. Know God and serve God with a single mind. Single mind is just uh, with a focused intention. The things that you do best in your life are the things that you do with a single mind. I know that you all have things that you do very well when you have a single mind, when you prioritize that action, when you're putting your whole heart and mind towards it. That's what God is telling us to do. David is saying, in other words, do what I've modeled to you. This is all you need to do to bring this generational blessing to pass. Let's stop for a second and say, next week we're going to talk about the financial component <laughs> of the temple, which David also leads by example. Uh, we're going we're to talk about that more next week. But David says in this part, basically, do what I've modeled to you and teach model it to others if you want this generational blessing to continue if you want to leave this temple as an inheritance to your children and grandchildren then do what i've done and keep doing what got us here to this place of blessing so the reality is that the people who heard this vision wouldn't be the ones who would see it happen maybe some of them if they were lucky but they would need to focus on being faithful if they wanted this, this vision to come to pass, they would need to trust that if they were faithful, if they did what God asked of them, that God would, br- would make it happen, that God would bring it to pass. Now friends, it's worth pausing here to remember how many people in our congregation, reality is that we're so blessed here that actually probably about half of you have never met some of the people who received this, ve- this vision Of this new church. Of this beautiful temple. The best of the best. Certainly in Lake Crystal. And probably in Mankato as well. The best of the best. So many people from our congregation who were here before you received this vision. And they're not here to see it happen. And especially to have paid off the mortgage like we did and like we're going to celebrate next week. Those people they needed to focus on being faithful to trust that if they just did their part that god would make it happen they had a similar experience to the people in this text they heard this vision of a church of a way to continue this congregation not just for another 5 years or for 10 years but for generations for generations their primary responsibility was to continue doing what got them there, serving God, knowing God, observing and seeking out God's will. This is what one uh, person who was very, uh, had, had a very big role in the entire process of visioning for the, the church and, and uh, a part of the building process and is still involved today. Not going to tell you who that person is, okay? Not going to embarrass them. But this was part of the vision. It says our church foundation is strong and well-established in this community. The hope for our future, the reason for this new building, is to welcome and support the future residents of Lake Crystal and to share that same love and support that so many of the past members have experienced. Friends, generational visions require generational faithfulness and sacrifice. Generational visions require generational faithfulness and sacrifice. I think about some of these people, some of the key people who supported or gave their time to this vision. That's, by the way, the reason that we're all sitting here today, maybe the reason that I was brought here as your pastor. It's because of the the faithfulness of these people. Now I know that there are some in this short little list that I have, some that come to your mind, people who are so crucial in bringing about this vision. But these are some of that I think of who are gone, who are so important, some of the key people. Al and Marianne Norman. Eldon Jones. Most of the Norman family. Liz Sant. Sonia Trishman. Sonia was so excited. One of the last visits that I made with her uh, in her last days, and she said, how's it going at the church? We just didn't know if it would happen. And she was just so excited to hear that it was going well. Jerry Barnett. Just being here every week and being a big part of why Christy and her family are involved here today. There's so many more. Friends, generational visions invite from us generational faithfulness. We're experiencing the fruit here today of the faithfulness of others who have been here before us. But maybe the most inspiring part of what I've heard, I heard this early on, about the journey that uh, this congregation has been on. This was a teary-eyed comment as I was hearing some of these specifics. I heard a lot of the specifics of what had happened and all the stages. I heard about the extra sacrifices and time that were, rec- that were required. Vision meetings over coffee that were first casual and then led to more serious meetings. Me- extra meetings with leaders and uh, meetings with the congregation to vote and decide and And chart a course. Meetings with the conference. The people who kind of oversee all of the Methodist churches. And the conference said, (laughs) right? The conference said, don't do it. (laughs) And here we are. Those are some hard meetings. Meetings with architects. Meetings with contractors. Meeting with other professionals. Tours of other church buildings. Including, by the way, the UMC church in Blue Earth which is a a replica of what we're standing in now. It's a little different. One of the pastors there told me ours is better. All right. (laughs) Friends, it's easy to forget or take for granted the faithfulness and sacrifices that led to this generational blessing that we are experiencing today. Maybe the most inspiring thing that I heard about this entire journey was the teary-eyed comment interspersed with all these other stories that when they, were t- when they were touring the congregation in Blue Earth, there was the discussion that this church was not being built for the people who were doing all that work. And as the tears welled up in the person's eyes, they said, we're building this church for the people who aren't here yet. That's maybe one of the most inspiring things I've heard in my six years here. It's this idea that we are not just here for ourselves, but we are here for the generations that follow us. Yes, this was a practical build. Yes, there are seniors who can come here because we don't have stairs and all of that, but the primary purpose for this generational vision that we are experiencing now and celebrating in a a climactic way next week, the primary purpose was for the people who weren't here at that time. That's a lot of you. That's a lot of you. Friends, generational vision asks from us generational faithfulness and sacrifice. This is how our faith endures, is through your willingness, your willingness to know God, to love God, to serve God, to search out and obey God's will. That's how you can bring about a generational blessing to your kids, to your grandkids, maybe kids that you don't know that are in this community now or will move here in the future. This is how you can be a part of that generational blessing. And I wonder, who will be blessed in three to five years? Or who knows, one year, a lot can change in one year, right? Kyle and Priscilla, right? Hope, a lot can... And Irma, Javier, Dale? Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. I wonder who will be blessed in three to five years or one year or ten years. Who will be blessed by your faithfulness and sacrifice today? Who will that person be? It's important to think about this what we find in the New Testament is a similar invitation leading to a generational blessing uh, that leads, uh, yeah, leads into a generational blessing. In, in 1 Peter, I want to read this to you. In 1 Peter, we find an affirmation that our responsibility as God's people is to come to Him. This is what Peter says. Come to him, come to Jesus, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The New Testament affirms that we as God's people, we are are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are. It's not just a place, but we carry God's Spirit with us everywhere that we go. We, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, are the space that others encounter who don't know God. The space where heaven meets earth. We don't need one specific temple in one specific place. We can bring the Spirit of God everywhere that we go. And it starts here. Our acts of worship, our acts of devotion, seeking more of God, serving God, are contributing to a generational blessing. Do you believe that? We must believe that if we're going to live with a posture of sacrificial love. This is what God asks of us to lead to a generational blessing. It's not not complicated, thankfully. Thankfully. It's complicated to live it out, but it's not complicated an idea. Know God. Love God. Serve God. Seek and obey God's will. Friends, generational visions ask generational faithfulness and sacrifice. May God give us the faith to continue doing the things that got us to this time in our congregation history. Amen.